You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. I often reflect on what I talk about in this podcast after I've recorded the episode. And I often find that what I actually talked about was not what I intended to talk about at all. Take, for example, last week, I intended to talk about muddled thinking in relation to how it impedes our understanding of what we really want out of life. What came out? We had an interesting conversation last week in relation to how to get a good night's sleep. Now, I went off on something that turned out to be not a tangent at all. I probably got more reaction to last week's podcast than I have got to a number of episodes in the recent past. People, because of their muddled thinking, keep themselves awake at night. And as we explored last week, that obviously has an impact on your ability to perform the following day after a bad night's sleep. But more importantly, or at least as importantly, I suppose, disrupted sleep disrupts the brain on a long-term basis and is implicated in the onset of dementia and Alzheimer's. Okay, we covered that last week. But before I go any further, actually, I need to make another important point because meditation does to the brain the exact opposite of what stress does to the brain for starters. In other words, it clears the neural pathways, it expands the neural pathways, it encourages the interaction of the various components of the brain in a way that looks after the body as well. We've talked before about what stress does to the body, to the cardiovascular system, to the immune system, to the digestive system, how it literally kills us ever so slowly, death by a thousand little drip, drip, drips of cortisol from the stress response. But the key thing that is emerging from neuroscience now is what meditation does in terms of renewing the neural pathways. According to the latest research, you can actually meditate yourself younger, or at least neurally younger. In other words, I'm not going to look like a teenager just as a result of a few weeks of meditation. <laughs> no doubt a couple of people will, will laugh at that. Some people will probably say, well, uh, I've always been a bit serious. I've probably never looked like a teenager. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. The latest research shows that meditating in later life undoes the atrophication of the neural pathways that is simply a byproduct of normal aging. In other words, neural pathways that are effectively dead as a result of the aging process are brought back to life as a result of meditating. 
Meditation has a huge impact, obviously, on our ability to keep our state of mind under our own control. Now, I didn't say we're talking about mind control. I'm talking about controlling your state of mind or controlling your emotions, if I can put it like that. And that means that you're inevitably going to get a better night's sleep as a result of your meditating anyway. And it inevitably means that your longer term mental health is going to be better as a result. But that isn't what I intend to talk about today. It's interesting, actually, very often people say to me, you're talking about something that wasn't on our agenda at all, you know, as if I ever had an agenda. I recollect many years ago being commissioned by the chief executive of a particularly large company to do a three-day off-site. He called it a team-building event. I'm not sure if that's what it actually was. You can't make silk purses out of a whole variety of pig's ears. But anyway, we won't go there. But I was asked to do a three-day event, and he said to me in advance, I need an agenda from you. I said, you're not going to get an agenda from me for the simple reason that if we sit down and work towards a preset agenda, we're confining and constraining the conversation. We're confining and constraining the opportunities for learning. And at the very best, we will get through the agenda. But if we have no agenda, the sky is not even the limit. And that is how I've operated in the corporate world for over a quarter of a century. Some people couldn't get their head around that until they saw the results. But as somebody said to me, I thought we were going to talk about something else. And you're constantly kind of shifting into talking about, listen to this, what feels right when we actually get together for our one-to-one -one conversations. And... The fact of the matter is that I will always talk about what comes from the inside out. That's what's going on right now. I had no intention of talking about this at all. I will always talk about what comes from the inside out. And that is why, now listen to this, this is actually important. That is why I encourage people to ask themselves before they go to bed each night, what the next most important thing is that they need to do or what the next most important things are that they need to do that their sleeping clear mind, assuming they did their recapitulation as a result of last week's episode, as a result of that clear sleep, they will be clearer in their mind in the morning and know what the right things are to do and also know what is on the to-do list that I can simply not bother doing today. Now, that's not procrastination. That's a completely different thing. It is not long fingering stuff that is on the to-do list. It is doing the important stuff first, not the difficult stuff first. You will have heard people in the so-called time management training area, whatever that's about, by the way, you have heard people saying, oh, you need to do the things that you least like doing first. Get them out of the way. It makes everything easier for you. What I like and what I don't like doing are not actualities. My likes and dislikes are as a result of the way in which I allow my thinking mind muddy the waters. I recollect many years ago having a conversation with a guy. I was working with him one-to-one -one and I suggested to him that if he has any big decisions to make, or any important problems that, in relation to which he is finding it difficult to find a solution. I said, before you go to bed tonight, ask yourself, 
what's the next most important thing I need to do? He said, oh, he said, I know what you're talking about. He said, for years, I have said to myself before going to bed at night, you know, I need an answer to something. Answer on my desk first thing in the morning. And he said, normally it works. Now, it may not work the minute you get up in the morning. You may find that you will be in the shower or brushing your teeth or on the commute to work when you have an aha moment. But you can actually encourage your mind to provide you with aha moments so that you move your life forward as effortlessly as is humanly possible. None of that is going to happen if you allow your muddled mind continue to muddy the waters. Which brings me to what I actually wanted to talk about today. See, we're actually making progress here, or maybe we're not. I want to pick up on the diversion that we went into last week in relation to how not getting a good night's sleep further muddies the waters now tomorrow morning as a result, as I said, of not sleeping properly and in the longer term from a mental health point of view. But I started last week's conversation with the intention of talking not just about muddled thinking, but in particular, how our muddled thinking muddles our understanding of what we are trying to achieve. Case in point, I, I got quite a bit of reaction to, I think it was last week's short video on a Thursday. If you don't get my short video on a Thursday morning, you're missing out on a video, a reflection, a quick tip, sometimes a normal crazy people story, as some people say to me. If I want a good laugh, if I need a little breath of fresh air, I'll go and look at this week's normal crazy people story. If you know, you can either laugh or cry, you might as well choose the former rather than the latter. But if you're not getting my weekly email on a Thursday, you're missing out on those things. You may well be missing out on my Facebook Lives and indeed nearly 800 of previous weekly videos all the way back to 2008. But I think it was last week. And I'll come back to what I've just said in, in a moment. I think it was last week that I did a short video on the muddle-mindedness of people when it comes to understanding what they want out of life, or more to the point, misunderstanding what they think they want out of life. Because I was talking about a girl with whom I was having a conversation, it's a number of years ago now, she wasn't a client then, she isn't a client now, and I don't know where she is or what part of the world she is in. You'll understand why I said that in just a moment, because she said to me, when I asked her, you know, what kind of life she would really like or what her big goals were, she said, I'd like to live by the sea. Um, yeah, I'd like to live. Maybe the west coast of Ireland would suit me. Oh, I could imagine prancing in and out of the sea on the Atlantic coast. Although maybe the weather down there isn't great. Maybe it would be too cold because I like warm weather. Maybe I could move to somewhere by the sea that has palm trees. You know, the south of France might be nice. Uh, down near Marbella in Spain might be nice. You know, the other side of Spain, I've thought about that as well, but it's a bit windy on the Atlantic coast and it can be quite cool there as well. So I just I just sat back and listened to this conversation because a couple of minutes later she said to me, I've always had a hankering for emigrating to New Zealand. I saw Lord of the Rings and the scenery is fantastic. And, you know, oh, wouldn't it be lovely to live by the sea down in New Zealand? So I sat there listening. And then she says, you know, I have family 
in California. I'd love to live by the coast in California. Now, that would be a dream come true. Okay, enough is enough is enough. I said to her, you know how difficult it is in life to hit the target if the target isn't moving? When you're using your mind normally, actually, it's pretty much impossible. How much more impossible is it to hit a target that isn't just moving? It's gyrating all over the place. I said, you need to understand not so much where you want to live, but what kind of life you want to live, what kind of life experiences you want to have before you can move forward in your life at all. All this gyrating around the place, not knowing what you want, thinking from day to day that you want something different. You're actually further muddying the waters. Now, I said a moment ago that I think that I recounted that tale last week. I can't be 100% sure. It's not that I'm suffering from early onset anything. I, I'm not becoming forgetful in my old age. I am forgetful, if that is even the right word, because after I've done whatever I've done in the moment, I'm in the next moment. As a result of which, I am simply there present then and have no recollection of what I talked about, you know, in an earlier conversation that I might have had today, because I don't need to pay any attention to that now. And I had an interesting conversation about this on Zoom with program owners one night a number of months ago when one of the guys said, he said, I had a meeting with an important client earlier today. And the minute I came out of the hotel room in which we had that conversation, I had no recollection of what we talked about. Am I losing my marbles? Am I going downhill? Am I suffering from dementia or the early signs of dementia? I said, no, you're not. I said, this is a phenomenon that is well documented in the context of being in flow. Because if I'm in flow now, it clearly means that I'm not thinking about something that happened an hour ago. He said, but what if I bump into that client in six weeks' time and he says to me, oh, do you remember we were talking about this? He said, and I've no recollection of it. I said, that's not how the subconscious mind works. If you bump into that guy in six weeks or six years from now, your subconscious mind will provide you with exactly the right recollections to enable you put your best foot forward in those circumstances because that is what your doing mind does best. That is what it enables you to do. We have a compendium of knowledge stored inside. I'm not talking about our stored knowledge, the crap that gives rise to the 70,000 repetitive thoughts from one day to the next. I'm talking, I'm talking about all the other valuable information that we have on board. But we don't need access to almost any of our valuable information at any particular moment in time. All we need at that moment in time is the valuable information related to that moment in time and what is best to be doing at that moment in time. And our subconscious mind does that absolutely effortlessly. Absolutely effortlessly. So we don't need to worry about that. And we don't need to say to ourselves, am I not doing what is on my to-do list. I'm doing something else instead. And is that a good or a bad thing? Now you're back into the realms of thought, you see. If you ask yourself before you go to bed tonight what the important things are that you need to do next. Now, next doesn't necessarily mean tomorrow. As some smart 
individual. I nearly said something else. And some smart Alec said to me a couple of months ago, Asher, if I ask myself what's the next most important thing I need to do just before I get into bed at night, the answer I'm bound to get is have a good night's sleep. I am, and, and of course, you know, technically he's right, but that is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about encouraging the subconscious mind to provide you with the aha moments that it would otherwise only provide you with in random moments. We can actually cultivate our state of mind to provide us with insights all of the time as and when we need them. The valuable information that I was talking about a moment ago. Wisdom, you might even call it. But let me come back to what I actually wanted to talk about today. And that was a follow-on from where I started last week in relation to just how muddled our thinking is. The fact of the matter is that any time we allow our minds take us off on a train of thought, and by that I mean any thoughts that don't relate to what I'm actually doing now, what I've actually chosen to do now, and preferably what I've actually chosen to do now as a result of having interrogated my gut instinct or subconscious mind before I went to bed last night. If I allow my thinking mind take me off on any train of thought, other than where I am now. I am only encouraging all the really bad stuff, stuff that comes up from the past, the dregs that are down deep in the muck to come up and bite my ass. So we need to ensure that we don't give our thinking mind an inch because our thinking mind is expert at taking the proverbial mile. And indeed, before we embarked on this journey, your thinking mind was the boss. He or she ruled the roost. He or she was the guy or girl shouting at you, saying, you're no good at this, you're no good at that. Ah, oh, you think you're good at this, so go on and try that. This person knows nothing because this person isn't real, because this person doesn't exist. It is a conglomeration of thoughts, hardened thoughts, deep down thoughts that we first thought as a result of psychological snapshots that we took, generally speaking, when we felt bad about ourselves when we were young and impressionable. And at the risk of labouring the point, there is no merit in me relying on thoughts from the 1960s, and I mean early 1960s, to enable me understand what is actually going on in the mid-2020s. They will disable me. And, and the interesting thing is that unless you know what we're talking about here, you won't know that you're disabled. You are actually mentally disabled when you're using your mind normally. Now, some people will take exception to my use of that term. I don't care. I actually don't care. I was talking to somebody else a few weeks ago in relation to depression. And he said to me, I know we don't hold with the idea of depression. I said, that is not what I said to you before. He said, oh, well, I know you think depression is not real. I said, that isn't what I said to you before. What I said to you before was the effects of depression in terms of, for example, what stress does to the body. The effects in terms of our perception of the reality of the here and now are real. They blind us to what's going on. But the thoughts that gave rise to that blindness 
are only thoughts that we encouraged by not encouraging ourselves to be present in the here and now. These are choices that we make. As we've said before, we choose our own stress. And it's killing people. The World Health Organization says it's killing people. I've lo I know loads of people who don't need the World Health Organization to know, because they've experienced it, that not being in charge of their own state of mind nearly kills them as a result of the stress that they did to themselves. You choose stress. You choose depression. I reckon, I said to my friend who said to me, oh, you don't hold with depression. I said, yes, I do hold with depression, but I know where it comes from. It comes from you not being in charge of your own state of mind. Now, I was a little bit tough on this individual, but I needed to be tough on him. So I need to be hard on people. And I am hard on people. And some people don't like it, but they don't pay me to be nice to them. They pay me to ensure that they are holding themselves to account and moving along the straight and narrow. Now, before I go any further, actually, now that I've used that terminology, you may or may not, depending on whether you get my Thursday email, have got an email from me in the last day or two in relation to the boot camp that I'm doing at the moment, which is designed to hold people to account, get people on the straight and narrow, keep people on the straight and narrow and not let their minds take them on a runaround so that they think they'd love to live on the west coast of Ireland, the set of Lord of the Rings or Santa Monica or Santa Barbara. In other words, the boot camp that I'm talking about over the course of four days is designed to enable you grab your life by the scruff of the neck and set yourself off in the direction that you don't know you want your life to go. I need to explain that. And that's why I'm actually talking today about this. You only think, 96% of people only think they know what they want out of life. That is a scientific fact because 96% of people are led by their thinking minds. So if I ask any of that 96% of people, what do you want out of life? They will tell me what they think. And what they think will be based on what other people think because all the normal crazy people jolly along together, saying to themselves, isn't life not so bad? Sure, we're all in this together. No, they're actually dead from the neck up and they don't realise they're dead from the neck up. So, sorry, before I go any further, there's a link associated with this week's podcast. If you're interested in grabbing your life by the scruff of the neck and really getting yourself going in the company of a few like-minded people, but most importantly, I suppose, in the company of me online next week, click the associated link, find out more. And sure, wouldn't I love to be able to kick you in the most appropriate parts of your anatomy to enable you start living the life that you would really love to live. Or let me put it another way, the life that's best for you. Because when you begin to get your head straight and when you begin to be answered by the mind that you have interrogated, you know, what's the next most important thing I need to do? You begin to understand effortlessly what is best for you. And, you know, some people, somebody recently said to me, I, I pulled out a perfect moment that I had written a couple of years ago. 
I assume you know what I'm talking about when I talk about perfect moments. How we set our mind to achieve our objectives is by handwriting what we want as if we already have it. There's a load of neuroscientific research behind that at this stage. But I was talking to somebody who said I, a perfect moment that I wrote a couple of years ago fell out of a book on my bookshelf. And she said, I read it and I kind of chuckled at it at this stage because that's not what I wanted at all. She said, now, if I set my mind off in that direction four or five years ago, and I haven't got it, by the way, how, how does that square with you telling me that if you give your mind the coordinates of the kind of life you'd love to live, your doing mind, your subconscious mind will go off and get you to where you have set those coordinates? I said, it's very simple. The knowing you, the part of you that will give you answers if you'd only bloody ask it. The knowing you knows what's best for you. And it will know that if you have set a perfect moment that is not best for you, it will kind of breeze past it. Now, there's a load of science behind that as well. Because I know the minute I say what I've just said, some people say to me, I oh, are making this up as you go along. But I've been doing this for 27 years and there is nothing I've ever said to you in any of these podcasts that isn't backed up by hard science from either the fields of cognitive psychology, neuroscience or quantum physics. Anything I've ever said to any client with whom I've ever worked, anything I've ever said to an online program owner is backed up by hard science. What we need to do is understand that it's not the hard science that will change our lives. It is by putting into practice what the hard science tells us that we need to do that will change our lives. Once we do it, not understand it, understand the concepts, marveling at the science, it's all a waste of your time until you do it. You know, somebody said to me recently, I've come across another great book. I'll send it to you in relation to the latest research in relation to, oh God, I can't remember what. And I said to him, you're always sending me books. Would you stop sending me books? I said, stop reading books. I said, what you're doing is you're just reading and reading and reading and you're not doing anything about what you're reading about. I said, it's like, and I know I'm showing my age at this stage now. I said, it's like in the old days when after Christmas, people would gather up all the brochures for the sunshine holidays in the summer and pour through them. I said, that's like you gathering all the summer holiday brochures and not booking any holiday and just every year gathering the same crap and doing nothing about it. This all comes down to doing. So forget the science. I don't completely forget the science because the science confirms that what we talk about here isn't just a good idea that works for some people and won't work for others. This will work for everybody and that includes you. But it's not the science that matters. It's not the understanding of the science that matters. It is not getting it conceptually that matters. It's doing it and experiencing it that matters. And on that note, I will finish up for today and encourage you to click the link in relation to getting more information about just doing it. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-horton.ie.